Are you ready to uncover your retirement solution? Learn more as Jeremy Kyle and his guests guide you along the path of retirement and reveal the five steps you need to take to solve your retirement puzzle. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to Retirement Revealed with Jeremy Kyle. Today I know we're going to be discussing common financial planning mistakes, Jeremy. Is that correct? That's it. We uh, we run into those uh, quite often. Um, we get, well, hopefully not on our end, but uh, yeah. we do see it quite often and we're here to help you out. Yeah. All right. And, and like you said, you see them often because, well, they're common, right? <laughs> these are common mm-hmm. mistakes. Are these people that are just coming into you and saying, hey, look, I'd love to talk to you about, you know, helping me out with my finances. I've either worked with a professional or maybe they haven't worked with a professional. Are you seeing about the same where people that are working with somebody currently come in and say, you know, I don't know if this is all getting taken care of. And then you're looking through it and going, yeah, we've got some mistakes here. Yeah, that's a, that's about it. We get to talk to a lot of people uh, just from, um, you know, either current clients or people that are interested in learning more about our services. And it's just uh, amazing sometimes what you, uh, what you see that are avoidable mistakes. It's mm-hmm. just um, like the common, that uh, it's not common sense because finance and uh, investing is hard stuff, but uh, they're just common repeatable things that just seem to show up uh, over and over again. And our, it's our goal here today is let's, let's try to make sure that doesn't happen to you. Yeah, that would be great. All right. Where do we start today? Well, we broke it down into two big sections. The first one is investing mistakes. The other one's more strategy mistakes. Okay. Just uh, when you go about it, the way that you approach things that are some mistakes that we happen to see. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to investing, uh, one of those mistakes is really just focusing on the past performance of the market. We hear that all the time of what is uh, the market doing? Well, uh, there's no such thing as the market doing. Uh, it only did. Mm-hmm. And whatever it did in the past, there's no reason to believe that it's going to happen again in the future, uh, at least anytime soon. And just one thing that we show up uh, with there is we see a lot of times people that are looking for the top performers. Well, if you've ever heard of the uh, what goes up must come down mm-hmm. idea, a lot of times when you find these top performers, they don't do nearly as well in the future as they did in the past. And one of the biggest places we see this, uh, even if the person hasn't expressed it, is inside of the 401k. Uh, People have heard that you're supposed to uh, diversify, Mm -hmm. but a lot of times when you're looking at your 401k, you've got a list of maybe 20 different funds and you think, I'm just going to get like five of them, but I'm going to buy the five best of them. And so you believe you're diversified because you find the five of them that you think are the best. And all you've done is just looked at the past performance. Exactly. And usually the things that go up uh, that are in the top five, maybe go up together because they're pretty much the same thing. Uh, So that's uh, kind of a lot of mistakes rolling into one is that diversification does not mean picking the, the top five funds. Uh, picking the top five funds of what happened in the past does not mean that's going to be the top five funds in the future. So it, it is important to make some decisions on which investments you're, you're taking. But if you just look at what's happened in the past and believe it's going to continue in the future, you're, you're somewhat setting yourself up for um, some disappointment. Well, I mean, that's you just perfectly described what happened in the early 2000s, right? It was the tech bubble. Oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. tech was on fire. And I mean, if you were invested in tech, you were doing fantastic. And mm-hmm. and I'm sure there are people who have said, this is the wave of the future. And this is exactly what's going to happen in the future. Everything's going up. It's I mean, we're living in, in 2025 right now. We're, I mean, we're really living in the future. This is going to be exciting. Putting their money mm-hmm. into tech and all of a sudden, pop, goes the bubble, yeah. right? That's exactly and it. Everything that went up together crashed hard together, you know? And, and so, it, yeah, wow, for sure. That's got to be scary for somebody in that situation. That's a mistake you don't want to make. 
That's exactly it. You're, you're kind of talking about the next step, which is buying high, selling low. And you get to the late 90s and tech was booming and people were getting mad if they only got 30% on their fund, hmm. right? So my, my buddy got 100%. He doubled his money last year. I only got 30% and they're getting upset. Uh, so buying high, selling low is just something that it'd be nice to avoid. And unfortunately, it's hard to avoid just because of uh, a few of our own emotions. So mm-hmm. have you ever heard of fear of missing out? Oh, yes. Yep. Yeah, FOMO. FOMO. So fear of missing out, you know, you, uh, you've got your buddy down the street making a lot of money. You read about the uh, newspaper uh, that there's these funds that have doubled and you think, I need to get, I need to get some of that. I don't want to miss out. That's a little bit of fear of missing out, a little bit of greed. Maybe, man, if only I can, things would get solved if I can uh, make a lot more money. So there's this greed that sets in, this fear of missing out that sets in when things are, are looking good. And when things are looking good, uh, it's probably because it already was good. It mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily mean it's going to continue on that way. But then the opposite happens, especially if you're one that bought in at the high point, is the market starts dropping, and then this fear sets in, this mindset of, I can't afford to lose, I need this money, uh, sets in, and then you start selling at the low, low point. And it's just this emotion of, of greed and fear, as Warren Buffett uh, talks about it, or this fear of missing out uh, on the way up, and this fear that you can't afford to lose anymore mm-hmm. on the way down, uh, all those are probably incorrect, right? Uh, you can probably miss out. <laughs> you know, If you miss out on the market going up 20%, you might have missed out too on it coming back down 20%. Yeah. And a lot of times when people say, I can't afford to lose this money, well, uh, we hear that sometimes from people that aren't retiring for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. You know, you got a long time. Uh, you can't actually afford to see the ups and downs in the market. You can't expect any ups from the market if you uh, think there's going to be no downs in the market. So just these different emotions kick in to where you are buying high and selling low. And that's just a common mistake that, that shows up. Yeah. I, <laughs> I don't want to beat a dead horse here with the, the two, early 2000s, but I remember back when it was everything was going well before the, before the bubble popped. There were people saying, and, and you can just do the math because you can look backwards and everything looks rosy. If you had $1,000 in Microsoft when it first started, by mm-hmm. today, and this is early 2000s, by today, you'd have over a million dollars because of all the splits and blah, 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 whatever the statistics mm-hmm. were. That's not a rationale for, for putting all your eggs into, into one basket, yeah. into tech. I mean, they're like, so now imagine if you had 10,000 in Microsoft, how, how wealthy you'd be. You know what? That, that doesn't make any sense because you didn't do it back when Microsoft first started, right? And, and you're yeah. not going to be able to duplicate that and see into the future which company right mm-hmm. now is going to be the next, quote unquote, Microsoft or Apple or mm-hmm. any of these companies that, have, that had exploded at that point in a positive way. And then later on, we see a bunch of companies imploding in a very negative way. Right. So That's exactly that, that greed, I think that I think the media, in my opinion, the media really fuels that a lot of times and, and says, yeah. you know, if yeah. you're not doing this, you're missing out. Well, like mm-hmm. you said, if your buddy doubled his, you know, gained 100%, would you want to be the one that gained 30 and lost 30 or gained 100 and lost 100% of everything? I yeah, mean, that, that's, exactly. You just never know. Yep. You got it. You got it. And I think uh, some of your stories here and the ones that we're talking about, they're just showing up. They're just matching up with a lot of these different examples that we have because these are so common uh, mistakes. Mm-hmm. And the, the first step is knowing that they're out there. Uh, the next part is trying to, to go ahead and, and combat some of these mistakes that you're making. But what you said there about uh, getting the next best stock, right? Buy the next Amazon, the next Microsoft, mm-hmm. or whatever it happens to be. Uh, that's what everyone's kind of shooting for. A lot of times we're trying to talk to people and they're saying, I just want to beat the market. 
you know, how hard can it be to beat the market? Mm. Well, guess what? It's incredibly hard to beat the market. I saw a study a few years back where they surveyed uh, all the professionals. Uh, they found all the different professionals with some data that they could actually see, well, did you beat the market or not beat the market? Um, and they saw with out of these thousand professionals, only six of them actually beat the market. So six a thousand a investing thousand? professionals, six out of a thousand. Jeez. Oh, so wow. six out of a thousand actually beat the market. And then at the end of the study, they said, we still don't know if they were smart or lucky, right? <laughs> so six out of a thousand, and you don't know how they did it. And that's the unfortunate part is a lot of people are trying to beat the market. They're trying to do something that is near impossible. And when you combine that with uh, the emotions of buying high, selling low, uh, usually the opposite happens. If you just try to catch the market, you do a lot better most of the time than if you're trying to beat the market. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of studies out there. There's actually some disagreement on how big of a issue this is. There's a company that called uh, Dalbar. There's some other companies called Vanguard and Morningstar. They've done these studies. And just depending on the time frame, depending on who did the study, uh, usually it's around like two to four percentage points that the average investor is behind the market. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just a big combination of the buying high, selling low emotion. And it's the idea that I'm just going to try to beat the market. When you try to beat the market, uh, usually to come off worse than uh, if you're just trying to catch the market. So trying to beat the market usually suits yourself in the foot. Yeah. A couple of other things that we see all the time when it comes with investing is having too much or too little risk. We've, we hear this stuff all the time of, uh, I've got stocks, but they're a conservative stock, right? Well, mm-hmm. guess what? There's no such thing as a conservative stock. Mm-hmm. You own a piece of a company, that company could fail. Uh, you invest in it because you don't think it will fail. It'll keep on growing, uh, but it could fail. Stocks are not conservative, no matter uh, how consistent you might think they are, no matter what you think... Uh, it was like in the past, uh, there's no such thing as a conservative stock. A lot of people end up having too much risk because they believe that, uh, well, this is a sure thing, right? Or these, these stocks are conservative. On the opposite end, uh, a lot of times people have too little risk. Mm-hmm. They say, I can't risk losing. So they put all their money in the bank. Everything's in short-term, you know, money market CDs. And guess what? They're guaranteeing they're going to lose. They're mm-hmm. going to guarantee that they're going to lose this money over uh, to inflation, right? If you invest uh, into the bank accounts at 0.5% and inflation's anything higher than that, which it probably is going to be, you know, one, two, three percent, whatever inflation uh, averages out to be, all you're doing is actually guaranteeing you won't have enough uh, compared to the future. Now, we do believe you should have some money in the bank. You should have some short-term money, but we're talking about people that invest in guaranteed bank type investments for the long run. Cause they say, I can't afford to lose it. I can't risk this. I don't want to lose. And all they're doing is guaranteeing that they're going to lose to inflation. They might not have lost to the stock market, but they're just guaranteeing they're going to lose to inflation. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Last one here to round up the uh, investing mistakes we see all the time is not diversifying your investments. And part of that is just not rebalancing. So if you decide to have can, a certain level of rebalancing risk, again? Yeah. Yeah. No problem. Uh, so when you're looking at rebalancing, it just means if you have more than one investment, which you should, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the whole point of diversifying, is that wherever you started, give it some time. The stock market goes up and down. You're probably out of balance from where you started, where you want to be. So let's rebalance and get back to where you would be, right? So if you're somebody that says, I want about 60% in the stock market, and then the market drops, you have less than what you signed up for. Mm-hmm. 
Or if you want 60% in the market and the market goes up, you have more than what you signed up for. True. And you need okay. to rebalance to get back to the level of risk that you wanted to, to, to have to begin with. So rebalancing is a big key thing. Uh, but related to this, this idea of not diversifying your investments, I uh, just saw a study in the last week and it said the more familiar you are with the end investment, the worse you did. Which means, really? yeah, so it means that um, when you get stock from your employer, right? You work for a company, they give you stock or you bought it, you're familiar with it, it's your employer. Or there's a stock of a company that's been around your hometown for years, or maybe grandpa gave it to you, mm, right? You feel mm. really uh, familiar with the stock, you, you kind of get bought into it. It's not like you did any analysis that says this is a good stock because I did this uh, regression analysis and, and all this research. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's an you emotional just, connection, right? Exactly, yeah, okay. you've got a connection yeah. to it for whatever reason. And they did the study and showed that the more familiar you are, the worse you did. And got some unfortunate examples on that, uh, where we um, met a few few couples in the past, uh, and they basically had employer stock, right? You worked for a local bank, and they'll just make up some numbers here. So, uh, but uh, this, this is based on true stuff, mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. I have a um, some clients, and they worked for a local bank. They're stocks were near all-time highs. So they basically had all their money in the one stock where they were both employed. Both the husband and wife were uh, employed there. And we said, hey, you're retiring soon. Let's diversify. Let's spread on out. And said, well, it's not quite at the all-time high. Hmm. Okay, but it's pretty close, right? Yeah. It's pretty close. Well, uh, let's say if it was at 50 bucks and maybe it had been at 55, we said, you're, you're close, right? You're 10% away. And this is almost all your money. Let's diversify. I said, well, let's Let's wait till it gets to 60. Well, guess what? This is the financial crisis. Mm -hmm. It never got to 60. Uh, I think they end up getting bought out uh, below 10, right? Oh. So that's a big deal, right? When you uh, have, what's that, 80% yeah. drop? Yeah. A big drop uh, because you felt familiar. This is my employer stock. And you didn't need to have all your eggs in the one basket. Uh, you could have diversified. Had another uh, person that we worked with, and they had all of their money. And one company, uh, one company where they worked, all their money was there. The stock was at $41.90. It was at an all-time high. We said, hey, perfect time to diversify. There's even some tax uh, things that we can help you out with mm -hmm. uh, here. And they said, well, we'll sell it at 42. Wait a second. You're trying to base your whole retirement on a dime? Mm. Let, let, let's try to, a dime. It's, it's not that much of a difference here. Well, if it gets to 42, we'll sell it. Give me a call. Well, it never got to 42. It's like 10 years later. I don't think it's ever got back to 42 again. Uh, it's just unfortunate when you feel especially familiar with these stocks that um, that you have and you have too much of them, you, you just, it kind of combines all these things into it. You think, well, it's a conservative stock because I, I, I've known it forever. My grandpa had stock here. I've worked here for 40 years. Uh, and you're not diversified. That's a, such a huge, huge deal. Um, it's just, it's a shame. I mean, both of their retirements are completely different because yeah. you didn't diversify because you thought it was a conservative stock. You're just too familiar with these uh, particular stocks. You got to right. diversify. Yeah. It's, it's the, the two situations are, are, are very different, but lead to the same outcome in a lot of ways. When you, you talk about grandpa giving you stock or, or somebody, you know, family member handing you, handing down stock and then employer stock. If you work for a company, there's nothing wrong with you being proud of the company you work for and having pride in the work you do but pride cometh cometh before the fall right i mean that's mm -hmm. the that's the whole thing it's not a bad type of pride but 
understand that by you diversifying or selling some of that stock, that doesn't mean you don't have pride in your company or you think that your company is going to yeah. go bankrupt or it's going to do worse in the future. It's just smart business. It's just smart to protect yourself. I Man, that's that's sad. I'm sorry. That, those two stories are both very, yeah. very it sad because I'm, I'm sure somebody's you know retirement was devastated and, and they're, they're, if they had dreams and goals of handing money to their grandkids or you know, mm-hmm. vacationing more often or buying a second home for, you know, for whatever that that's gone. If you lose 80% of mm-hmm. your entire retirement. Oh, that's yeah, terrible. That's exactly it. Let's move it's, on. Uh, and there's, there's, yeah, there's, <laughs> there's no specific uh, percentage that you should have in your yeah. employer stock or whatnot. But just think about if your paycheck and your pension and your 401k are all tied up in the same place mm. uh, that you got to look at diversifying. That's, that's for sure. Well, those are the investing mistakes that we see all the okay. time. You got to work through those. Uh, understand that you're not alone. I mean, this is a common situation. These are common thoughts. And understand how your mind works, understand how your emotion works, and go out and take some steps to, to come out ahead uh, because you're avoiding some of these different mistakes. Mm-hmm. Now, we're going to move on to what we call the strategy-based. Uh, doesn't necessarily have to do with investing, but just kind of how you approach retirement planning, how you approach your, your strategy. Uh, first mistake is not setting a goal. Uh, what are you aiming for, right? Mm-hmm. If you don't know where you're driving uh, for your vacation, how do you know you get there, yeah. right? Uh, you need to set some goals. And a lot of times when people set those goals, they think of, I need a million bucks, right? I need a million bucks uh, to retire. That's just kind of a, a common thing uh, out there. And that is is nice. It's maybe nice to see this big dollar amount, but that's not necessarily what the goal is based on. When it comes to retirement, uh, usually it's, a matter of time, what what age are you going to retire, and income, how much income do you need? And that million dollars or whatever you're, you're shooting for is related to the income, but that's not actually the goal. The goal is to get some income, and you've got to start there, begin with the end in mind, right? I think that's a, a famous saying from a, a good corporate strategist out there, mm-hmm. but it, begin with the end in mind, which is how much income do you need, and when do you need it? That's the goal you're looking for with retirement. Yeah. So set a goal to begin with, but don't base that goal on, I need a million bucks before I can retire. Base that goal on, here's how much income I need. And then you can work backwards from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, the next uh, mistake is not tracking your spending, right? Oh boy. Uh, who wants the budget? <laughs> Some people want a budget, yeah. right? Some people love the budget and that's, that's a-okay. But not tracking your, your spending is kind of like uh, that first goal, not setting the goal. Uh, first mistake, if you don't set the goal, you don't know where you're driving to. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one, not tracking your spending, it's like not knowing how much fuel is left in your tank. You have to understand uh, when you're adding fuel to the tank, uh, how much is left. Yeah. You got to track yeah. your spending uh, in order to do that. Uh, that's something I'm guilty of. Uh, I'll just be very, very honest. My wife and I have, we it's 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 kind of like a, a wave, right? We, we go mm-hmm. up and we're like, okay, we're going to track our spending. We track it for a while and then all of a sudden we stop doing it. We're not tracking as thoroughly as we did before. And then all of a sudden we're realizing, wait a second, we should have more money in our, in our accounts or in our savings or more money to do this or whatever, what's gone on. Then we take a look back and go, okay, well, we have a lot of frivolous expenses, things that we really didn't Mm -hmm. need. And we, okay, now we're going to start tracking our spending. We're going to be, you know, be more more strict on it. And then you get to that high point, everything's going well. And all of a sudden you fall off that wagon again. I'm so guilty of that, dude. (laughs) That's right. That's right. I'll tell you a secret. Uh, I don't budget. Right. Okay. So here I'm saying, go out and track your spending, uh, but I don't budget. I'm a financial planner. I don't budget. Uh, it's just not in my DNA uh, to, to track every single little uh, piece of it. And some people like that. Some people love it. And that, that's great. 
Uh, but what I do, and I think this is going to work for most people, is I set up the savings plan first, right? Figure out the goals, mm -hmm. and then figure out how much you need to save to get there. Uh, so when you get that first dollar from your paycheck, make sure it goes to the, the savings. And then uh, what you can do is just watch your bank account to see if it went up or down. Mm -hmm. We talk to people uh, all the time, and that's kind of a... Um, a way that some people procrastinate, that's gonna be the next mistake. But sometimes people feel like, I can't talk to a financial planner, I can't figure out my uh, retirement until I figure out exactly uh, what I'm spending it on mm, and break yeah. it down with a budget of how much goes towards my, my property taxes and how much goes towards my cable bill. You know, here's, here's a little secret. Look at your bank account. If you start with 10 grand in your bank account on January 1 and you end up with 10 grand in your bank account at the end of the year, guess what? You spent every dollar that came in. Mm -hmm. And if you happen to have less in your bank account at the end of the year, you spent more than what came in. So if you're somebody that's gone ahead, set a goal, found out how much you need to save to get to that goal. So you've set up your savings plan, you're putting away 500 a month, 1,000 a month, whatever it is, and you're doing that automatically, automatically saving is going to make sure it actually happens. When you've got the same amount at the beginning of the year and at the end of the year, hey, you did all right. You did all right. You you hit your savings goal. You didn't track your spending down to the penny, but you understood that everything you spent on that year was enough and you didn't hit your savings goal. So if you actually have a goal for how much you're going to save and you make that happen automatically, uh, I don't think you really need to get down to the to the penny. Mm -hmm. And just tell you a couple quick stories about that is oftentimes when people budget that haven't budgeted before, they just sit down they think about, well, I know my cable bill is a hundred bucks and I know my property taxes are a few thousand bucks. And they, they come on in and they uh, tell me, guess what? I've, I figured this all out. I sat down, created a budget and I need like 3000 a month uh, to retire. Okay. Uh, how much do you make? Well, it turns out you make, you know, 6,000, 7,000 a month. Oh, so you must be saving $4,000 mm -hmm. every single month. Oh, no way, man. I, <laughs> I, I have, I can barely make it by the end of the month. Okay. So you think that your budget's three grand, but your actual budget, you wanna find out what your actual budget is, what you're really spending, uh, it's what you're spending right now, right? When your paycheck yeah. comes in at six grand a month and you spent it all, guess what your budget is for retirement? Mm -hmm. That's six grand uh, a month. So a lot of times when you uh, are somebody that doesn't budget and you try to do it, uh, you, you give yourself a false sense of security, you give yourself a false uh, goal that you're aiming for. Uh, we, and we see this all the time, people that have put together a budget, they need three grand, four grand a month, but they're already spending six or seven grand a month right now. Uh, you, you can't plan. That goal is incorrect to try to get it at three or 4,000 a month. Yeah. So here's the, here's the moral. The moral of the story is that uh, most people don't budget. So don't feel like you're a failure if you're not budgeting, but you should track your spending. And mm -hmm. the way to do that is just to understand how much is coming in, right? Take a look at your take-home pay. If you're bringing in six grand a month, and your bank account's the same at the beginning of the month and at the end of the month, guess what your spending was? Six grand. Yep. That's what you need to be shooting for in retirement. All right. Next issue we see a lot of times is procrastinating, right? People are procrastinating for a lot of different reasons. Uh, they don't want to go out and uh, do their retirement planning. They don't want to sit around and uh, plan out their different uh, investing strategies. Sometimes, because they just don't want to be faced with reality. They know it's going to look bad. Mm -hmm. So they're procrastinating because they don't want to see how bad it might be. Sometimes they're intimidated. Finance and investing and retirement planning, this is a big deal. And sometimes that's not uh, 
you know, your cup of tea. You're not just somebody that really is, is into the financial uh, planning and investing and you're intimidated by perhaps the, uh, you know, the, the high powered guy in a suit that's uh, maybe looking down on you for what, do you, what took you so long, mm-hmm. right? So they're intimidated and they, they put it off. Uh, but sometimes we see this and we just want to talk about this one. Sometimes they're afraid of the cost, right? If I go see a financial planner, if I go uh, do this, it might cost me something. Well, a lot of times the uh, cost is worse for not doing it than actually going ahead and doing it. We met somebody last, uh, last fall and they told us they wanted to retire uh, coming up in the spring. So mm-hmm. about six months away. And they said, we've met some financial planners. We're going to work with you, uh, but I don't want to start paying until we retire. And okay, mm-hmm. I mean, that's somewhat of a rational idea of why pay for something you don't need. You know, why uh, pay for an investment manager if you don't need it? Why pay for a financial planner if you don't need it? But they were six months away from retirement, right? Who knows what's going to happen yeah. uh, with the market of the next six months. And there's a lot of things that, that are decisions that you need to make before you retire. You can't just, you know, fill out all your retirement paper, paperwork, uh, do all these things with your investments, and then call up a planner and say, what can you do? Well, you know what? Most of the decisions are already in the past. Right? There's things you ought to be doing years ahead of time, months ahead of time to get ready for retirement. And, and so for them, unfortunately, right, we met them in the fall mm-hmm. of 2019. They want to retire in the spring of 2020. Well, guess what happened? in February and March of 2020, the market dropped. And so we did actually meet with them in March of 2020, uh, but now their plan has changed. They're planning on working an extra year because you know how can you possibly retire in April of 2020 yeah. when the market dropped by 30% in March of 2020, right? Mm-hmm. And I can't promise uh, that they would have still been able to retire in April you know, on time what their plan was, uh, but they are trying to save a few percentage points on their investments by waiting six months like why pay someone for half a year when i don't don't need them yet and they weren't prepared for when the market dropped mm-hmm. you know why why would they be prepared because they were waiting till uh, after they hit retirement and you've got to start your planning before retirement starts yeah and and just uh what's it uh, penny wise pound foolish i think is the the term something like that, yeah <laughs> yeah something like that and the, that's that's just something if you're close enough if you're within five years of retirement go talk to a planner you know if you're within six months of retirement, you have to talk to a planner, yeah, right? There's yeah. so many things that are coming up that they can help you with that can uh, help you avoid mistakes down the road. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, one other thing here is that uh, a lot of people are not planning for the worst case scenario. And yeah. why, why would they? Who wants to think about that? Mm-hmm. Uh, our suggestion is plan for success, but be prepared for failure. Mm. And a lot of that has to do with maybe uh, having enough money in the bank, right? Uh, who wants to put 10 grand in the bank at, at less than 1% interest when you can invest in that stock and make more money, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes you need emergency funds. Sometimes you need your life and disability and health insurance uh, updated. Um, sometimes you need your property, uh, your your rental coverage, your auto, your uh, car and auto and your home insurance covered. So just tell you a couple quick stories there that are personal stories. Uh, I'm somebody that uh, works in the financial uh, industry and I learned 20 some years ago that you ought to have rental insurance coverage. And it's just amazing how cheap rental insurance coverage can be. Uh, it was like eight bucks a month. Mm-hmm. So I called in, I had to change my car insurance. I'm like 19 years old and I had to change my uh, car insurance around. And the person suggested, Hey, why don't you uh, have some rental insurance? You're, you're living in a college dorm, right? You're renting. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you got stuff there. It's worth something. It turned out it was like six bucks a month. And so I did that. 
Uh, it turns out within about a week later, uh, somebody, this is back in the 90s, so I had the uh, the CD collection, mm-hmm. right? So they, it was, it's past the cassette tapes, past the 8-tracks, but I still had <laughs> a CD collection. You, you know, I don't even know, what is it now, Spotify? You can't lose your Spotify now there you go. Yeah. <laughs> anymore. Yeah. So uh, I had all my CDs stolen. I had paid one premium for a rental coverage. Somebody stole all my CDs, and I got that covered because I, I spent the time, uh, nice. thankfully, it wasn't on my end. It's yeah. because the insurance agent said, look, it's six bucks a month. Even you're, you're a college kid, you can afford it uh, to get this rental insurance coverage. So I tell people all the time, when your kids go off to college, when they're in apartments, you know, you might be getting ready for reti- uh, retirement. You sold your house and you're living in an apartment. You had home insurance, get rental insurance. Mm-hmm. It's just amazing how cheap that coverage is. And just yeah. real quick on home insurance, another story uh, from my, my own life here is uh, it seems like most people don't understand uh, that your home insurance usually just covers you from the ground up, right? Mm-hmm. We yeah. live in uh, Southeast Wisconsin here. I'm in uh, Muskego and uh, last fall, there was a lot of rain last fall and everyone on Facebook was talking about how their basement flooded and what do we do? And the next day they were all talking about how their basement flooded and their home insurance wasn't covering them, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, that's just the way that home insurance doesn't work. You've got to pay for this extra uh, endorsement, it's called. You have to pay for an extra endorsement for your uh, basement to be covered. So thankfully, I'm somebody that knows this. Uh, so I've been doing that for years. Well, guess what happened last week? More rains. <laughs> oh, no. My basement flooded. Oh, no. Absolutely horrible. Not fun at all. But thankfully, uh, unlike uh, what it seemed like most of Muskego was doing uh, six months ago when we had our heavy rains again then, uh, I, I thankfully had the the basement coverage. So mm-hmm. the uh, the cleanup, the uh, reconstruction, that's all covered because I paid the extra. I don't even know what it is. Twenty bucks, fifty bucks a year. I don't know. Off the I'm, whatever it is, it's worth it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No kidding. Uh, so if you're somebody that is renting a home, make sure you have rental coverage. If you're somebody that owns a home, uh, make sure that you've got that uh, basement endorsement because your home insurance does not cover you uh, below the ground unless you pay extra. So go out, go out and check on that. Well, so I'm just imagining your, I'm imagining your CD collection just floating around your basement right now. That's what I'm. I thinking. know exactly. That's <laughs> I, I, it. Might have been there. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Well, the last mistake uh, people make uh, when it comes to their strategy is they invest, they invest without a strategy, or they make a plan without a guide. Mm-hmm. Right? Have you ever retired before? No. No. Right. This is your first time retirement. You get one shot at it, and uh, it's just amazing the decisions that can cost uh, or make you tens of thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars, because you fill out a form at the wrong time or you didn't check a box correctly. It's just amazing. You need to have a guide, somebody that's helped you, uh, helped others there that's been there before. Uh, we like to say we retire about once or twice a month, because that's how many people were helping mm. actually hit retirement in that month is one or two people every month yeah. are, are hitting retirement. Um, most people retire once in their lifetime, maybe twice, but we're doing it every single month because we, we get to see all these folks that are yeah. hitting retirement and understand what works with uh, pensions, with Social Security, with Medicare, your supplements, with your taxes, your estate strategies. Uh, this is an important, this is a big important part of your life is this transition into retirement. And if you don't have a strategy or you don't have a guide that's been there before. It's helping you through. You're just going to miss out on a lot of a lot of things. And uh, we we very much want you to get your retirement right. 
So yeah. that's the last thing, probably the most important step is invest with a guide. Yeah, absolutely. And and here's the thing, I, I'm not to sound, you know, uh, conceited or anything, but I'm a fairly popular guy, right? I'm, I'm, I'm well-liked right. by the people I work with. Yeah, as, as far as I know, right? Uh, but mm-hmm. I think you're probably in the same boat I am. I'm not a musician and I'm not a boxer, right? Those are two people that can come out of retirement to get one big That's paycheck, right. right? The boxer comes it. out of retirement because, oh, I'm low on funds. I'm going to come out of retirement. I'll I'll book a fight. They're going to pay me a million dollars for one fight because, you know, I was a star and everybody wants to come see me, you know, come out of retirement. Mm-hmm. And you do the fight and you got a million bucks, you walk away again. It just doesn't happen that way with most people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can't yep. come out of retirement for one big fat paycheck and then go back to retirement. So, uh, no, it, everything that you said today is spot on. And I, I know that you're putting a paper together for this, correct? You got it. Yep. Yeah, we're going to put this uh, put this on the uh, website with our blog um, on the different common financial Perfect. planning mistakes. It's a, it's a big thing. Absolutely. All right. And we will uh, try our hardest to get a link into the show notes summary. So if you're listening mm-hmm. to this on any device, uh, you can go to the summary and there should be a link to this paper so you can kind of dive in a little bit deeper with everything that Jeremy was talking about. Jeremy, exactly. great content. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Eric. All right. And I want to thank you, the listening audience, to tuning in to the Retirement Revealed podcast with Jeremy Kyle. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Jeremy comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Kyle Financial Partners, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Retirement Revealed podcast. Click on the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit retirement-revealed.com to learn more. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Kyle Financial Partners. Kyle Financial Partners does not provide legal, accounting, or tax advice. Consult your attorney or tax professional. Representatives have general knowledge of the Social Security tenants. For complete details on your situation, contact the Social Security Administration. Kyle Financial Partners is a part of the Thrivent Advisor Network, a registered investment advisor. Content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.